Okay, David, I I have been trying to read the EU AI Act. I have mostly been successful in reading some summaries about it. I've skimmed through the whole thing, but it's there's a lot of it's a lot of texts that I'm not necessarily gonna read. But then Stanford came to the rescue and gave me a, a layer and a perspective on how are the companies that are providing these models and these tools and these products around AI actually complying with the new regulation from the EU. And it was great. What's your take on this? I bet you have been very happy about this. I've been squirreling away information, Jacob, as you know. The first thing to say is that in mid-June, the European Parliament have now passed this AI Act. So this concludes a key stage in the development of legislation within the EU. There's still a lot more to go. So now negotiations will start with member states to finalise the regulation. And it's anticipated that the regulation won't come into force until around 2026 at the earliest. So progress is being made. This is coming further along, but there's still a way to go before this is live law. That then is going to mean that the cases can be bought, that challenges can be made until this is passed and fully done. Then it's not actually in force, so to speak. But as you said, the Stanford Center for Research on Foundation Models which is part of Stanford University Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence, who produced fantastic material. Four researchers there, Rishi Bomansani, Kevin Kleiman, Daniel Zhang, and Percy Liang, have taken the draft EU AI Act, and they took the main foundation models, which is one of the key parts of what the Act is targeting, these foundation large language models, lots of other applications will use in their products and services. Things like GPT-4 from OpenAI or Stable Diffusion from Stability AI and of course Google, etc. They've taken these foundation models and based on what's in the Act, have scored them for how well they comply Mm. with the EU Act. And a lot of them do a pretty bad job of complying. If you're using OpenAI, it's kind yeah. of middling. It's not the worst. But all of them, with a, with one exception, and we're going to give a shout out mm-hmm. to Bloom. And Bloom is part of an initiative for open source large language models. They're really looking to set the standards in terms of ethics and compliance. But if I just quickly give a flyover of what of the different mm-hmm. areas they've scored them against. So... What they've done, these Stanford researchers, is said, let's look at the EU Act and what they're looking for is, does the large language model describe the data sources used to train the foundation model? Does it use data that is subject to data governance measures, such as looking for bias? Does it summarize the copyrighted data used to train the foundation model? Does it disclose the compute power used to train the foundation model? Does it measure the energy consumption and take Mm. steps to reduce the energy in use? There's these sorts of criteria that they've gone out, extracted from the EU Act, and then they've gone and scored each of the models. And Bloom comes out top. Claude comes out near the bottom Mm. alongside Luminous. To give an impression, if you got a perfect score, would be 48. 
Some of them have right. as low as seven or five or eight out of 48. OpenAI with GPT-4 comes out at 25 mm. out of 48. And then the top scorer, Bloom, comes out at 36 out of 48. So they give an assessment of how things are tracking, and then they call out certain actions that need to take place. So the first thing they say is, policymakers, you need to get mm. more specific, give more examples of particular types of performance that are necessary to be scoring well in this. There needs to be further guidance from the policymakers. It also gives advice for the foundation model providers that they can all improve, that they need to share best practice between each other, and they need to make focused efforts in order to get closer to it. You can look at these different categories that they've outlined so clearly in the Stanford research paper. You can see this graphic and you can actually get a feel for where the problems are with these different models. And, and that's a graphic representation that I think is really useful when, when, when looking at like just understanding that they're not working at the same pace with energy consumption or copyrighted data. It just gives us a very big piece of the puzzle when it comes to having the conversation, I think, for me. That's the most immediate thing that it gave me. Yeah. I mean, what we saw after that episode mm. came out back in February of the law and ethics on, of AI art, episode one of season three, it triggered mm. a lot of conversation, didn't it? A lot of people messaged us about it with what their opinion is and really some people are mm. kind of on the extreme end of like this should be banned this is theft of intellectual property copyright data around is not really being taken care of from most of these models it's it's a zero out of four for most of them and i think that's interesting and i think yeah that's a, an aspect that is hard to start tackling now for these models as well like if you haven't thought about it before how do you how do you work on that now? And shout out in particular to a friend of the show, Johan Sedmar Brandstedt, who has been sending us lots and lots of information on a kind of regular basis about movements here. So things are happening. And as I say, there's this, there's a, a, a leg of the community yeah. who are kind of absolutists that this is theft, this needs to stop, that we need to be campaigning. And that is getting traction. Then there's the other edge who just say, well, you know, the cat's out of the bag now and like this is a tool and we just need to get used to it and right. capitalism, etc. It shows the EU's view on the cultural issue of AI. Like they are actually saying that copyright matters. They're saying that energy consumption matters. They're saying that testing in a mm. conducive and structured way matters. And I think that for me is very important that we can start to agree on, okay, like, as a culture, we're pretty unanimously saying that, okay, we should not go murdering each other, for example. Take a really stupidly extreme case. With these things, it's not so clear-cut. It's not so easy to pinpoint that this is the level of copyright theft that we're okay with as a culture. But what the EU does here is that they take this and they actually go through and go over what they consider to be at least a starting point for talking about and legislating further. I think that's really important to have that discussion specifically. Yeah. If you're a designer and you're using these tools, or if you're creating products and services that use these foundation models, you can have different opinions. It's yeah. great, but you need to be informed. You need to be able to talk about what the different spectrum of opinions is, where the ethical gray areas are, 
You need to be aware of what the risks might be in the future. If the more absolutist extreme line comes down on copyright, then what implications does that have? You need to be informed. You you have to be able to have the discussion with the stakeholders that, okay, but yeah, the EU is actually very keen on us having control over our data sources. So so therefore, it's going to be an economic incentive to, to do things right. And the comparable I have it for is with yeah. music streaming with Napster. There was a period before the legislation caught up when everyone or lots of people were using illegal streaming services to listen to music. And eventually they got shut down because the legislation caught up. And instead, we moved to a more regulated things like Spotify and Apple Music, where actually they comply with the laws. And I think we're likely to see something similar here. And really to continue with that analogy, if in the intervening period before the law becomes clear, you're a designer and you're using the equivalent of Napster, you need to know that you are using Napster. You're not using a properly compliant thing and what the implications of that are. I think that's a very good point. So we are putting our stamp of approval, the DTRR, Lom and David's stamp of approval on this this Stanford research. And we really encourage anyone to, to have a look at least on the graphic. It's a fantastic graphic. We'll share that in the notes. Um, and the bigger question it raises, I have to yeah. give a shout out to Johan Sidmar Brandstedt here, is it's as much a question of ethics yes. as law. Like, what are you okay with? Are you okay, are you okay with using tools that are known or highly suspected to have stolen creatives' work. Are you okay with that? If you're not, you need yeah. to call out, you need to cite where you're getting things from, you need to you need to inform stakeholders. I think you it's a really good informed. point. And I, I think we, we need to be careful about sort of what we use in terms of images when we generate things and where we use that material. It's, it's not a clear-cut thing for me, but it's definitely worth working on coming up with the consensus and regulating it so that we know what we can expect if we behave in a certain way or another. I think that, for me, is very important. I don't want to be unsure of where I stand, basically. I, I want to be able to comply to something. We, listeners, will keep you abreast of key developments in this space. Once some cases are decided, once this EU regulation is out and some challenges are put forward to some uses and some punishments are handed out for people for not complying, which, as I said, are probably a few years off in all likelihood, then we're going to see the market changing and the equivalent of a Spotify coming in in place of Napster. But in the meantime, enjoy the Wild West, learn about it, but know that you are in the Wild West. Please go back and check our previous episode on the topic, number one of season three, and let us know what you thought about it and share it with a friend if you feel like they need to have a better grasp on the EU AI Act and the Stanford paper that comes with it. I think it's great resources and great discussion. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye.